This episode is sponsored by Sprout Living. We are very excited to share all about our favorite new plant-based protein powders by Sprout Living. Sprout Living is delicious, and we really appreciate the nourishing quality ingredients. Sprout Living protein powders are all USDA organic, vegan, grain-free, soy-free, gluten-free, nut-free, kosher, and non-GMO with a pumpkin seed, yellow pea, and sunflower seed protein blend that offers up to 26 grams of plant-based protein and superfoods, herbs, and spices. They offer sample packs so you can try all their delicious flavors, including original chocolate maca, vanilla lucuma, and green kingdom. What makes Sprout Living different from most plant-based powders is that they avoid the unnecessary additives that many others on the market use. That means they don't use any gums, thickeners, or natural flavoring, which isn't really natural at all. Instead, they only use real whole superfoods and adaptogens, which is cool because it makes the blends multifunctional. I love to use the chocolate maca blend with cashew butter, chia seeds, flax milk, frozen blueberries, and spinach to make a decadent smoothie that tastes just like a chocolate shake. If you want to try Sprout Living, you can save 20% off your order by using code CWPODCAST. Visit www.sproutliving.com and use code CWPODCAST, one word, to save 20% off. They also offer free shipping and a 100% money-back guarantee. Give them a try and let us know if you love it as much as we do. You can also find direct links in the show notes. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained 50 pound weight loss and self love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness, and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Hi, everyone. Um, welcome back to Courageous Wellness. Uh, we are going to have a great episode for you this week. But before we do, we're going to do our usual weekly updates, what's fun, what we're enjoying, all of those things. And then we will get into our episode with Afia all about uh, manifestation. She recorded all the way from Australia. So it was a wonderful international chat. But before we get into her formal intro, Erica, um, what what's new? What's fun? What are you enjoying in your life? I have all the content updates this week and 
there's there's two, but it's three men who have consumed all of my time. <laughs> one, one is Harry's house, which Allie didn't even know what Harry's house was. I literally was recorded like, Harry's house <laughs> I have to call you out. She was like, what's Harry's house? Um, Harry Styles new album. I love it so much. I've been listening to it on a loop in my car on Spotify when I'm working. I love it so much. Um, I love it so much. I loved fine line too, but I really am enjoying Harry's house. It's like dreamy, I think seventies inspired summer pop. Like it's a great album for the summer and the sunshine, but I think it's a great album in general, really enjoying Harry's house. That's the first man in my life right now, outside of my husband who's consuming all my time. The second two are, um, Nate Berkus and Jeremiah Brandt. Um, I am in love with both of them. Wait, are you just discovering them? Yeah, I'm just oh, discovering I've like them. known them for like, I feel like a decade now. Okay. Something. So I have discovery plus and yes. I watch like all of those like home, like it's my wind down. I do like to watch TV before bed, but I need to watch like calm, easy TV. And so my husband and I watch the Nate and Jeremiah home shows before we go to bed. And they are, first of all, they're the most beautiful couple in the entire world. They're the most well-dressed, beautiful people I've ever seen in my entire life. They are literally my life goals and they have the most beautiful family. Their daughter is so precocious. Their son is named after his late partner. Like they are literally just goals in every sense of the world. I am fully obsessed with them. I I am obsessed with them. There's nothing else I can say. So that's all I've been watching is like Nate and Jeremiah and listening to Harry's house. That's, that's really my update. Funny. That's all I'm doing. That's, that's your update. That's your wellness update. Um, I love it. And, and I feel very well incorporating that into my life. Well, this makes me feel old in two ways. One, because like the first time I like was introduced to Nate Burkus was like over probably 20 years ago I on mean, Oprah. Yeah. I was familiar. Like I knew who Nate Berkus was. was. I knew about the tsunami. Like I knew, I I knew who he was. I didn't haven't known about their show. I haven't known about their show. I don't know if I would have recognized him like on the street. Like, you know, I I knew the name. I knew the person. I knew the story. I did not know the love and they are just the most sincere. They're either the best actors in the world, which I I actually believe they are the most sincere individuals (laughs) in the, on television today. Like they even left LA because they didn't like LA. Like they're back in New York because they're that like, you know, LA is LA. They are just the real deal. Jeremiah cries on every episode because he's so touched that he's like impacting people's lives, like through their their goals, interior design through their home um, design. And I just, if you guys need some feel good content in this which, crazy world, we live in, we go watch Nate and Jeremiah. Yeah. It, they're the best. Oh. And then the other reason I was like, Oh, I'm old was Cause I was like, what's Harry's house, but that's where I don't listen to Bob. So but you're just not, yeah. You're not yeah. a teeny bopper. Um, so I accept my one teeny bopper tragic trait. What is it called? Toxic trait, tragic flaw, whatever. Um, I was traveling last week and I had like really long days for some work stuff. And I binged Bridgerton season two at night. Cause my husband refuses to watch it with me. It's and the best. that, that was enjoyable as season one. <laughs> That's all I so have good. to say. Are you not so in love with the, the, the Viscount? Oh my oh, God. Yeah. Jonathan Bailey is the actor. He's also like a musical theater actor, like in real life, which, you know, I love. 
Um, yeah, I mean, season one was great. My grandma loved what the Duke of Hastings. He was her like dreamboat. But um, this was a really fun, dr- steamy, dreamy season. You know, it's just like such good fun. I, I, I loved it too. It's just so yeah. silly and so, but so like dramatic and the costumes and the writing, it's all, you know, Shonda does a good job with the production. So um, that's my silly content update. And then one thing that I'm really enjoying is um, we've started working with Sprout Living, which is a protein powder. And I have to say, normally I don't choose plant-based proteins, to be honest, because oftentimes there's like a lot of other stuff in it, or there can be fillers and things like that. Um, but sprout living is like such a good quality plant-based protein powder. And there's so many delicious flavors and the ingredients are awesome. And I'm enjoying like the texture, the flavor, all of that stuff. In addition to really liking, um, they have a protein blend in it. So it's from different seeds. And I just think it's like really, really good ingredients as well. So I'm really happy to have found them to be partnering with them. And, um, cause a lot of our listeners are plant-based or plant forward in their, the way they choose to eat. And so I'm happy to like have this option in my own life and have it for our listeners as well. So, um, I just wanted to share that cause I took it on the road with me when I was traveling and it was, it was helpful to have. Yeah. They have what's great. They have those little sample packs that I yeah. know you posted about. If you follow us on Instagram, Allie did a whole post about her little travel hacks with sprout living, but, um, yeah, it's a great way to try all the different flavors. I love the chocolate maca and the vanilla lacuma. Um, and the vanilla coffee is, is so good. Yeah. The coffee protein powder is really good. All plant-based, no fillers, no junk. If you want to try Sprout Living, you can save 20% by using the code CW podcast. And also this is a good segue into just a reminder that this episode is also sponsored by Milk and Honey and listeners can save 20% online at their boutique, which carries everything from Osea Malibu products, Super Goop. I buy my glow screen on Milk and Honey's website, Moon Juice products, Virtue. So much good stuff is on there. In addition to Milk and Honey's hyper clean products that we love. So you can save 20% over there on their website with code CW podcast as well. And we have now partnered with their spas and you can also save 20% on any first time spa treatment at any location in Los Angeles or Texas, also with code CW podcast. And yeah, we love them. We've had treatments at both of their Brentwood and Culver Culver City City. locations Mm -hmm. in Los Angeles. And it's, it's really wonderful. And so we can't recommend it enough. If you need a facial or a massage or even a med spa treatment, they do all of that. It's really great. So check out milk and honey online, their boutique or their spas. But mm-hmm. with that, Allie, should we get into this episode? Cause it is a good one. Yes. Today on the podcast, we have a conversation with Athea Salter, a mindset and manifestation coach who helps ambitious women create the life they truly desire, not just the life they've settled for. Athea offers courses and one-on-one coaching to help individuals manifest the life of their dreams. After being orphaned at 14 years old, Athea developed the belief that she was someone things happened to and not for, and she was constantly waiting for something to go wrong. 
In this episode, she shares with us her powerful journey and manifestation and how she was able to shift her mindset and live a dream life. Afia has a very grounded and practical approach to manifestation and mindset, and she unpacks her practices and tips with us today so that you can manifest in your own life too. We loved this conversation and gained so much from learning about Afia's manifestation tools. Enjoy the conversation and let us know your thoughts on Instagram by tagging us at Courageous Wellness. This episode is brought to you by Ned. Let's talk about CBD. The CBD market feels really saturated these days, doesn't it? It seems like you can get it at any coffee shop or grocery store, and many CBD brands actually source their hemp from industrial hemp farms in China. The brand that we love, and more importantly, the brand that we trust is Ned. Ned produces some of the highest quality CBD available in the world, and Erica and I only partner with brands that we ourselves use. Ned shares third-party lab reports, who farms their products, and their extraction process all right there on their website. Ned is also USDA certified organic with all products extracted from USDA certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Peonia, Colorado. How's that for knowing exactly where your CBD comes from? We have both been longtime users of Ned. I rely on the full spectrum hemp oil to help with anxiety and the hormone balance blend has been a game changer as I transitioned off of birth control. And today we want to talk about Ned's new product, which has been in development for over a year, the de-stress blend. I've gone through two bottles since it's come out and I could not be more obsessed with the benefits and the effects. This one-to-one formula of CBD and CBG is made from the world's purest full-spectrum hemp, and check out these ingredients. CBG is known as the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is at combating anxiety and stress by inhibiting the reuptake of GABA, the neurotransmitter responsible for stress regulation. Ashwagandha is an amazing Ayurvedic adaptogen that enhances your body's resilience to stress. And the delicious taste of this blend is thanks to the botanical infusion of cardamom and cinnamon. Cinnamon is a powerful prebiotic that supports your gut health, a key player in your mental health. And cardamom combats stress by helping reduce your blood pressure and cortisol levels. Also, Ned's quality speaks for itself. The products have over 1,500 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners within the medical field like Dr. Carolyn Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole, who has been a two-time guest on this podcast. If you'd like to give Ned a try, Courageous Wellness listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code CWPODCAST. Visit helloned.com slash CWPODCAST to get access. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash CWPODCAST to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. You can also find a link in our show notes. So Afia, thank you so much for joining us. We're really looking forward to having this conversation with you. I know Erica has been diving into your work and was pretty inspired by it. So wanted to have you on and I'm so happy we're getting to meet you all the way from across the world. Um, so just to start off, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your personal journey, your personal background, and then how that sort of has led you into the work that you now do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so maybe I'll do a little bit of a reverse in that. So I'm a mindset and manifestation coach and also host of the manifest edit podcast. And 
my work is centered around helping women come home to their innate magic, their innate power to stop playing small and to create the lives that they truly want to live and, and lead. And what led me to this work is a few things. And, you know, most, most people don't grow up wanting to be a manifestation coach when they grow up, but I did always have a, a desire to help people and connection has always been one of my biggest values. And so I actually grew up in the care system where I was in foster care until age three and then adopted at a later age. And I would say my life was pretty normal at that point. And we grew up in a loving household. I mean, apart from homeschooling, which is not something that everyone does, um, but we had a pretty normal childhood, my sister and I. But unfortunately, when I was 10, my mom got ill with breast cancer, which over the course of the next few years saw her rapidly deteriorating. Um, and unfortunately, she passed away when I was 14. And as my mom had adopted us as a single parent, that meant that my sister, my brother and I then became orphaned at that point in my life. So life definitely took a turn. And I was looking around at my friends having hopes and ambitions and dreams for the lives that they wanted to live and wondering like, well, what is actually possible for me now? Like, I feel like my whole world is just like transformed overnight. And it felt like just devastating, but more than the devastation of my mom passing away was the following couple of years in that my, my grand passed away, my friend at school passed away. And there was just so much loss at such a young age that it definitely shaped my perspective growing up of how, um, how I would receive moving forward. So I definitely struggled a lot to believe in where I was going moving forward. I struggled with my identity as a young black girl growing up in rural Scotland without parents. You know, it's already difficult growing up as a, as a black girl in Scotland, never mind rural Scotland, never mind also being orphaned and having been in the care system. So I felt like very different and like I was kind of the odd one out for a lot of my life. I struggled with anxiety. I struggled with depression. And um, despite worrying about what I was going to be able to go on and do in my later life, I did leave school with great grades. I got into my dream university. I studied at uni, my dream degree. I got a scholarship to study my master's. And it felt like outwardly and on paper, I was like achieving all of these incredible things. I was such an outwardly overachiever. I was very extroverted. I mean, I still am very extroverted. But on the outside, it looked like everything was fine. But on the inside, I was still dealing with all this internal turmoil because I hadn't allowed myself to access my grief because I felt if I went there, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to come out of it. And I wasn't going to be able to move forward in school and do all the things that I felt like I needed to do in order to get ahead in life. And so it was something that I, I definitely struggled with in silence for a lot of my um, teenage years and early 20s. And it did all come to a head at the beginning of 2016, where I just felt like I had place too much pressure on myself and I just felt like the weight of life was just too overwhelming um and I honestly didn't know like if I could go on anymore and yeah so I went from being in that place to just really having no hope and no drive for my future to at the end of the year just being in a completely different place where I did have a zest for life I truly loved myself I saw not only like hope but I saw so much potential for my future and I actually gave myself the permission to break free of the path that had been laid out of go to school go to uni get the job get married all of these things and I gave myself permission to ask like what I actually wanted to do and rather than just chasing what I had seen everyone else at school do and chasing like I have to have the same as everyone else I'm like you don't have to have the same as everyone else you can actually have what you choose to have and so my own journey with that although um, I didn't feel like I had a lot of friends that 
could totally relate to what I was going through there's definitely so many people out there who go through that same thing of like just kind of going through the motions or living life on autopilot whether it's through uni whether it's through a career whether relationships and I think this work is so needed to give ourselves the permission rather than looking externally for someone else to give it for us yeah gosh thank you so much for sharing your story is really incredible and beautiful and I want to get into, right. How you were able to make that shift, right? Like how you were able to make that shift, which ultimately changed your life and led you to the work you do now and helping so many people. But you mentioned something about, right. Where you were afraid if you accessed that grief, you wouldn't be able to come back from it. Right. And I think a lot of people can relate to it. I certainly can. And I'm just curious to start there did you end up accessing your grief? And was that an important part of getting to the other side? Um, I think as an adult, um, well, I mean, I was an adult back then, but I see myself, you know, I'm 28 now, I see myself as an official adult. I definitely um, experienced it like a lot more in my later life. I think also because your relationship to grief shifts because the the experiences that you're missing out on shifts I'm like oh I don't get to do these things at school but now that I'm getting older it's like oh like I'm not gonna have my mom at my wedding or I'm not gonna have like you know my kids aren't gonna have my mom as a grandparent or things like this so every every year even in the like month to month you're discovering new things that you're missing out on new experiences that you don't get to be a part of or every mother's day every birthday every Christmas these are still things I'm reminded of and before I kind of didn't let myself go there but now you know I'm openly an avid Christmas hater (laughs) um and yeah it is a challenge for me and I think grief never truly goes away but you learn how to navigate the waves and sometimes it's going to be more choppy and then sometimes it's more smooth sailing and it's never it's never linear so you can feel like you're doing fine and then something really unexpected or like oh I'm watching a movie and I'm seeing something and I'm like oh like you do that with your parents like I had no idea like I remember um I had a um, someone that I was working with and we were on this job together and she was talking about sharing like her uni results with parents and stuff. And then I told her that my mom had passed away and she's like, oh, so like, who are you sharing? Like all the small stuff with that no one cares about. And I'm like, I didn't know we were sharing that. (laughs) Like I thought that was just stuff that you kept to yourself. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I know um, as Erica was talking about like this idea of accessing grief, it's difficult. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said it doesn't really go away. You just get better at navigating it and navigating the different phases that it can come in. Um, I am curious to, to, you know, understand a little bit deeper that pivotal sort of year that you were sharing with us where you had gone from really, um, being in a dark place, not wanting to do it anymore to really, as you were saying, creating a zest for life and feeling so different and transformed in that sort of period of time. Is there something that happened or something that was the catalyst for that? Was it, was it going to a a very dark place that was the catalyst for that? Like, how did that transformation happen? So for a really long time, I had actually been trying to get into therapy and um, because of the national health service that we have in Scotland, that means that we have free healthcare 
but also as a downside of that like a lot of the resources are stretched and so I was going for the past couple of years and saying like I really think I need to see someone I feel like my anxiety was heightening and it wasn't like full-blown depression at that point but I certainly had moments of feeling depressed but they were like we don't have anyone that we can get you to see the waiting list is going to be like a year and a half so although I was going and saying that I needed help I wasn't being given the access to it And when I got to that really dark place at the beginning of 2016, um, one of my friends I was sharing with how I was feeling and how I was doing, and he was seeing seeing me like progressively getting worse and getting quite dark. And he actually came with me to the doctors one day and I, I, you know, same conversation. I'm like, I really feel like I need to see someone. I'm really struggling. And they were like, yeah, we can't get anyone in. And then he basically spoke on my behalf and was like, she really desperately needs to see someone like yesterday. So you need to sort this out. And then a couple of weeks later, I actually got a letter and I had therapy within the next month, which was really huge for me. And unfortunately, therapy actually didn't work out for me because I didn't have a good relationship with my therapist. I felt like she didn't respect me or hold space for my experiences. But going to therapy did cause me to see some things differently and to also like question the validity of the extreme thoughts that I was having, like, um, what's the word when you like always expecting like the worst case scenario I had a lot of that um like doomsday thinking I had a lot of that and it caused me to question the thinking and in questioning the thinking led me down more of a personal development route led me into spirituality led me into conscious manifestation and choosing what I wanted my journey to look like and in doing that I realized things like doing my master's wasn't making me happy or certain boundaries that I wanted to set for how I wanted to be treated by other people in my life and although therapy didn't really work out in the sense that I thought it would it definitely led me to where I needed to go I think that's really so great to hear too because I think sometimes we go into something being like this is going to be the answer right or this is what's going to fix the problem but it's really just one step right and then one step leads to another step and another step of ultimately this self-discovery of of everything that's inside of us. And I do that too. I, um, I catastrophize, right. That's what my, um, I also, I had to shop therapists. I had similar experiences. So, um, but I fortunately have found a really great therapist I connect with and yeah, she, she talked to me about my catastrophizing and, um, she told me, she was like, when you go to the worst case scenario, you have to tell yourself like you have to change the conversation, right? Cause the best case scenario is just as likely as the worst case scenario. But again, it's these patterns that are created through the situations we've gone through that, right? Like our subconscious, our comfort, it's a, it's a protection part, right? That wants to protect you, um, even though that doesn't serve us. So how did the manifestation work then come in, right? Like when did it start to open the door to discovering this world of, self-power and manifestation so at the time from maybe the end of 2015 I had joined a network marketing company and my mentor in that network marketing company had given me some personal development books I kind of mentioned the secret in passing and then in 2016 was when I like watched it and I was like this is it this is what I've been waiting for and uh, it didn't seem that wild to me like a lot of people watch it and they're like whoa this has changed like my whole world view I was just like no like this makes sense and growing up Buddhist I felt like 
there were a lot of parallels between spirituality manifestation and what I had learned in Buddhism. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm good to go with this. Yeah. Um, I know that before we were recording, Erica mentioned that we, she and I met through our Buddhist practice and all, you know, there's many different forms and, um, of Buddhism, but, but the idea of like not seeking outside of ourselves that like, you know, it's inner transformation that oftentimes determines your experience, even when you're in deep suffering or whatever that might be that we, at least in our practice, the idea that like you can bring out Buddhahood, even in the worst case, um, circumstances or that we all have that ability within us in our innate potential in our humanity. And so, you know, I think there is that sort of like parallel, as you were saying, I'm curious, did you develop once you kind of became interested in this work, did you then develop a framework for yourself to put it to use or something tangible, like any tools or skills around it? Um, cause I think it's one thing to really like have our minds be opened, but if we have, as Erica, you mentioned, like deep rooted patterns of behavior that are hard to sometimes break. Is there anything that you felt for yourself that like helped you that you could rely on that was tangible in order to implement this mindset shift? At the beginning stages? No, not really. I didn't have a framework. I was just absorbing as much information as possible and putting it into action, putting it into work. And then I would say around 2018, was when I actually began to develop my own framework looking back on an experience that I'd had where I had a vision board and this is my second vision board I created my first one in 2016 after that kind of awakening that I had and so many things from that first vision board had manifested in my life from my soulmate at the time to traveling the world finishing my degree and I just wanted to kind of replicate that same experience and that same success I had so in 2018 I created another vision board And it wasn't until I looked back on it a couple of years later that I actually realized none of the things in that vision board had manifested, which was a huge shock to me. But what I realized is that I had been kind of defaulting back into that kind of autopilot mode. And I had been putting things on there based on where I should be at in my life in inverted commas or what other people were doing or what I thought would make me look good, but not actually things that I wanted for myself on a soul level. And I think that a problem that I see with a lot of manifestation practices that are missing nuance, which sometimes, you know, it's it's just the case of being on social media platforms where you're only communicating a couple of minutes of information is that there is so much emphasis on the placing the intentions of manifestation as a place to start your manifestation process from. But when we do that, we miss out the most important part, which is aligning with our higher self, or as I like to say, your true self, Um, and embodying that and in embodying that you need to know what your values are first and foremost how can you set intentions without being being grounded in your values otherwise you're setting like I was intentions that are out of integrity so then that did lead me to come up with my vibes method for aligned manifestation because I believe in manifestation there is duality and I believe in manifestation there is strength in accessing your innate magic and in order to access that innate magic you need to know what's important to you and what you stand for We want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor, Milk and Honey. 
Milk and Honey is a female founded and funded brand that began as a luxury day spa in Austin, Texas, and has since grown to include eight locations across Texas and Los Angeles, California, as well as a line of bath, body, and skincare products born from the spa. One of Milk and Honey's best-selling products is the natural deodorant, which is loved by Zoe Kravitz and was featured in her Vogue's Beauty Secrets video. I've been using the baking soda free version exclusively for over two, three years. This gentle aluminum free baking soda free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. It never gave me any itchy red bumps when I switched over and passed the smell test, even after an intense workout. It truly is the best and comes in two scents, lavender tea tree and lemon vanilla. In addition to clean deodorant, their online boutique also offers clean beauty products from top brands, including Osea Malibu, Virtue, Moon Juice, Kula Sun Care, Supergoop, and more. Some favorite products of mine other than the deodorant include Milk and Honey's Gel Cleanser, Supergoop Glow Screen and SPF 40, which I now buy on their site, and Osea's Body Oil and Vegas Nerve Oil, which activates the body's relaxation response and helps regulate stress. Their spas are also lovely, and we are both big fans of their spa treatments. And we now offer discounts at both the online boutique and spa locations on all spa and med spa treatments. We are also thrilled to partner with Milk and Honey to offer a courageous wellness spa package called the Courageous Wellness Retreat at a discounted rate. The Courageous Wellness Retreat combines a 60-minute milk and honey signature massage, which is a Swedish massage tailored to your needs, focusing on relaxation and stress relief combined with body brushing, an exfoliating and detoxifying treatment that uses a natural bristle brush that you get to take home to stimulate your lymph and circulation while also reviving dull skin. Courageous Wellness listeners can enjoy 20% off your next order at milkandhoney.com and 20% off your first spa service at any Milk and Honey location with code CWPODCAST. Visit milkandhoneyspa.com to find a location near you. And if you want to try the Courageous Wellness Spa package offered at a special rate, use the code Courageous Wellness Retreat to redeem. This is not able to be combined with any other discount or promotion. You can also find all the information in our show notes. Yeah, gosh, we love that. That's, you know, so much of our practice, Ali and I, like they, we call it human revolution, right? Like you have to do this process almost of like human revolution to be able to truly live from your higher self. Right. Um, and, and grow from that place, but it is like, it's, I'm so interested too. And I want to learn all about your method because I think it is right. Like you, after the world of learning, right. Where you're like soaking and absorbing, I do think it does take some sort of practice or tangible, um, tool or daily commitment, something, because at least for myself, like I've absorbed a lot. Like I also grew up in a Buddhist household. I've had this work my whole life, but it's still so hard to do it by myself alone or just like positive think I'm air quoting right now, my way out of my pattern. So can you share a little bit about 
the method you created and, and yeah, let's start there. Let's start with your manifestation method, your practice. So the vice method has five steps for aligned manifestation. And something I will preface with is that we are all so unique and so different. And so there's no one prescribed practice that I will say that you should do for each thing because you're going to want to learn what resonates for you. So when I'm working with my clients, we're like, okay, here's some things that could work. Let's try these things out. How is this resonating for you? You don't like that. Okay, let's leave that behind. Let's move forward. And there's also a distinction between like, oh, I don't like something and... Um, I'm procrastinating on it between like, I just genuinely don't resonate with this. So just be like aware. So the first step is embodying the vibe of your higher self. And like we mentioned before, that looks at determining what your values are and who you want to be as opposed to what you want to have and looking at the distance between who you are now and who you want to be. And that is really going to form the basis for moving forward. And it's going to really anchor you and ground you in your practice. I think, especially because manifestation is not always easy it can be very challenging and very difficult to live a life that is in alignment with your values and your truth can cause you to have a lot of difficult conversations but when you're doing those difficult conversations and when you're going through those challenges from a place of I'm getting closer to living a life that's in alignment with my values rather than there's just this would be like oh this would be cute to have that's something that definitely grounds you a lot more in what you're doing and helps you get through the challenging times. So after embodying the vibe of your higher self, then we move into setting powerful intentions. This is a combination of knowing who you are, but also determining clarity on what you want. And what I found like a couple of years ago was that um, a lot of my clients were coming to me with the struggle of finding clarity on what it was that they wanted to have. And initially I was like, oh yeah, they don't know what they want to have. But what I realized through the conversations is, is most people actually know what they want. It's about, oh, I know if, if anything could happen, I would do this, but that's never going to be able to happen. Or I'd love for this to happen, but mm, I don't know if it's possible for me. So it's not really a case of not knowing what you want, but actually giving yourself the permission to go after it and having an honest conversation with yourself that you may previously have not been allowing that, not been allowing yourself to access that. And I'm not saying that from a place of like, yeah, you suck. You've not been living your best life because you're trash. But I'm saying it from a place of we are all unconsciously blocking ourselves in some ways. We all have unconscious capacity limits on like how much we'll allow ourselves to have, how much we'll have ourselves to feel. So none of the things I say are out of a place of blame, but more out of a place of like, let's redirect our awareness. So setting powerful intentions looks at moving forward, giving yourself the permission to determine what those intentions actually are and feeling really good about those intentions that you're setting right for I always say that I like to help my clients manifest their extraordinary lives. To me, my extraordinary life might look like the freedom to work where I want or to travel or to take my friends out for dinner. For someone else who's maybe at a different stage of life, freedom might look like things to do with their family. So extraordinary lives look different for different people. Don't feel like you have to say like, okay, well, I want a million dollars because that's what everyone's talking about on the internet. Or I need to have a six-figure launch because that's what everyone's talking about on the internet. And think about what you actually want. Maybe it's a five-figure launch. Maybe it's a seven-figure launch, you know, pick what you actually want for you and then from there we go into energetic blocks and boundaries so that's like I know who I am step one I know what I want step two now everything's going to come up that's going to say no you can't no you shouldn't it's never going to happen and I want you to know this is a completely normal part of the process I'm a manifestation coach I still absolutely have my own limiting beliefs and subconscious programming that I am working through on a consistent basis and at energetic blocks and boundaries, we are exploring things like limiting beliefs. We're talking about your lived experiences, value systems, 
subconscious programming, trauma, everything goes under this umbrella. And we're essentially looking at your existing subconscious programming and why that's limiting you from moving forward. This is where we'll do things like shadow work to understand and to move through those things. And it's not necessarily so much about focusing on like, why are things this way? But like, what are we going to do about them moving forward? Because we can get stuck in the trap of like ruminating on like, why or why? And it's not actually moving you forward. It's just making you feel worse. Um, so energetic blocks and boundaries. Part of that is the subconscious programming. The other part is the boundaries, because if you're saying like, this is what I want, this is what I'm available for. You have to look at like where your time, your energy, your money, your resources, like where is all of that going already? Is it actually moving you closer to what you want? If it's not, you're giving away your precious time and energy that could be serving you to, you know, you need to redirect that to the things that you actually do want. So I think boundaries is something that I don't really hear talked about a lot in the manifestation space. And I think setting those boundaries maybe doesn't sound like that sexy to talk about, but I think it's like deeply, deeply important because the more comfortable we can get with setting these boundaries, not only with other people, but also with ourselves, the more we're actually inviting in what we want to have to us. Like the law of attraction, people will be like, attract what you want, attract what you want. Okay. But also repel what you don't want. Like, how are you repelling the things that don't serve you? And so from here, then we go into balancing your feminine and masculine energy. And whether you are male, female, or non-binary, these are all energies that we have within us. And it's about the way that you act. Like, what is it that you're acting on? Are you acting on strategy? You're acting on intuition? Is it a combination of the two? And balancing these energies isn't like, I need to be 50 in my masculine, I need to be 50 in my feminine. It's just understanding how you work well um, and aligning the actions that you take with that. So when I started my first business, which was a digital marketing business, like the whole thing from start to finish was like so much in my masculine and even down to picking to do a digital marketing business, which was what I was qualified in and was my zone of excellence, but not my zone of genius. And at that time I was like, Ooh, like maybe like spiritual coaching. But my coach at that time was also very masculine strategy focused and was like, no, let's not look at the spirituality thing. And let's just go with the what you're good at, like strategy, digital marketing. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, let's go with this. And the way that I ran my business was very much in my masculine energy, like hustle, hustle, complete burnout. And I, I would just never do, do things that way again. It just didn't resonate with me. Whereas I know for some people, like one of my friends will work till like 9 p.m. in the evening and that works well for her. That, that could never be me. <laughs> so for me, my days look like four or five hour days and that's, that's me peak energy for the day. If I go any more than that, I know the work that I'm putting out is just not really going to be at the standard that I want it to be. So understanding how you work best and also like allowing that I remember that I used to feel a lot of shame around having like shorter working days or like oh am I, I like am I doing enough am I putting in enough energy people are talking about like busting their ass and working 10 hour days am I just like lazy but it's just not how my brain works it's also not how my body works because I have a chronic illness I have endometriosis so my energy levels throughout the day um are varied and sometimes I'm not going to be able to work at all so it's just really honoring your own process um, and taking that time to build your level of self-awareness and also taking responsibility for what you want to create. And then the final step that brings everything together is surrender. And that's about building a deep sense of faith and trust in both the universe and also your ability to make stuff happen. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think, you know, you explaining it in that way shows how grounded this is because I think, I don't know, sometimes Eric and I were talking about this, at least here in the States or even in like LA, um, 
the word manifestation in the last couple of years has gotten, um, like, you know, people are questioning certain parts of it in the sense. And I don't, I think it's probably healthy because it's like, Oh, is it, are you manifesting it? Or is it your privilege? Right. Or is it like, you know, we're talking about the difference between what, what it actually is, but the way you describe it, it really is like getting honest with yourself versus this sort of like what you, what people feel like they should be doing, but getting honest with yourself, getting honest with your own, um, sense of what feels in alignment and integrity with what you want as far as what kind of life you want to create. And then like the way you said that that can look different for everybody, but that you give, um, that there's action involved in, it's not just like positive thinking your way into, you know, the life that you think you should lead. Um, because as you were saying, like, that doesn't really work in that way, but when you're in an alignment and can put into these practices and like, maybe, you know, like there's this concept in our Buddhism where it's like, you really have to like, look at yourself in the mirror from a metaphorical standpoint, like even the stuff you don't want to look at, um, because until you can really be honest with yourself, you can't necessarily transform that. And it's not about bad, good judgment, having judgment around it or anything like that, but just like, yeah, showing up honestly. And I think sometimes we're not taught to, you know, it's like, how can you show up honestly, even in your world, if you can't show up honestly to yourself, you describing this methodology feels like a very grounded, practical approach to like using this kind of, um, yeah, this, I don't know if it's a methodology, but this sort of like the way we can shift our thinking and create the lives that ultimately, you know, people just want to be happy, but giving ourselves permission to have that look different for each one of us. Um, I think that's a, you know, a big part of the process that sometimes people don't talk about. So it's cool to hear you kind of break your methodology down and the way that you approach that. And thank you for sharing that with us and with our listeners too. Yeah. I, I love, I love it. It's so grounded. It's so accessible, right? Like it's not, um, it's really, I think you've created a really beautiful method and I'm, I would love to talk a little bit more about what you said about like limiting beliefs, right? Because when you said, right, like sometimes when we focus on like what's wrong with us, we can like, or, you know, I, again, air quotes, sorry, podcast, I use a lot of air quotes, but, um, but you mentioned, right? Like we can ruminate and I know so I've done it. I know so many people in my environment who do it. It's like, you get stuck in ruminating or trying to figure out what that thing is. So how can we right? Like you said, it happens to all of us and Ali and I have been there. I know you've been there. We've been doing this work for so long. It always comes up you identify, right? Like you said, you know what you want. You're living from your higher self and those limiting beliefs come up like clockwork, right? Like I I always say we're like an onion layer. Like there's always another layer of the onion. Um, how do you help people really work through that? So they don't get stuck in that phase. 
think we have to understand like the basis of limiting beliefs and a quote that I absolutely adore and one of my programs is actually named after um, his work is Carl Jung has this quote which is until we make the unconscious conscious it will direct your life and you'll call it fate so until we look at the subconscious programming we'll just say like oh well that's just the way things are or that's just who I am that's just the way things happen but there is so much more to it than that and so I think when it comes to limiting beliefs what we have to understand is that although like in society there may be a lot of guilt and shame shrouded around these things your limiting beliefs at one point were beliefs that were created to serve you were created to protect you or created in some way to keep you safe so for example my belief of after my mom passed away and I'm like I just want to have a normal life like to begin with that was that was great for me to have because it encouraged me to show up at school and put in the work and do all these other things and reach for opportunities and scholarships but then it got to a point where I was at uni and I'm like well, I, like just wanting a normal life isn't serving me because actually I want to think what an extraordinary life would look like. What would it look like if I push the boundaries of what I think is possible or what I see other people having? Like, what do I actually want to have for myself? So limiting beliefs don't necessarily need to be rooted in like, oh, I created this belief because I don't want myself to be happy and I want to sabotage myself and I don't deserve love. I don't deserve success. The place that this has come from is actually misguided self-love in some form or another. So when we can take that more compassionate lens to like, what these limiting beliefs actually are, which is typically protection mechanisms, then we can work to find protection from other places, from more expansive places. You also have to remember the way that your subconscious mind works. Your subconscious mind is like pretty much a factory worker, clock in, clock out, do my job, keep a fear alive, keep Eric alive, keep Ali alive. That's that's the job of your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind isn't thinking like, oh, how can I make a fear like as happy as possible today? It's thinking, get through the day. And so things that seem like they're not going to get you through the day is trying new things where there's a potential of failure to fall flat in your face for it not to work for people to say something about you for any number of situations that you can catastrophize about your subconscious mind is running all of those systems through it's like virtual factory settings if you will it's like yeah this doesn't look like a safe match let's just um oh I know I'll just push her the thought of this is never going to work that's going to derail her and then she's not going to keep moving forward with it life goes on we get another day so you have to understand that we Although your subconscious mind, it may look like it's working against you. You are both working towards the same goal, just in different ways. So while your subconscious is working to keeping you surviving up here, up top, and your superconscious, you're thinking about how can I thrive? And so sometimes those two don't necessarily go as well together as you would imagine. And although in your head, you're thinking, well, this new job is going to give me more money. It's going to make me feel more supported. Your subconscious mind is just thinking danger, danger, danger. So it's not about like, oh, how can I just like never feel like there's going to be danger because that isn't realistic. It's like, how can I navigate when those feelings of danger come up? How can I navigate and provide that internal sense of safety or regulate my nervous system so that every time that I do think of something I wanted to bring into my life or that I do desire, I'm not going to go into complete shutdown. This episode is brought to you by BASE. Ever wanted to figure out why you are feeling sluggish or bloated or what's really up with your stress levels or why you never feel truly rested? With base at-home blood work kits, a simple finger prick or saliva sample makes it easy to find out the answers to common health concerns. Whether you know which tests you want to get started with or you need some guidance, BASE's proprietary assessment quiz makes it easy to begin your health journey empowered with an understanding of your own body. Members can measure, understand, and improve their health levels related to the five most common areas of health concerns, diet, stress, 
energy, sleep, and sex drive. The result of your hormone, vitamin, or nutrient tests are delivered to you through BASE's app and come with personalized recommendations, including lifestyle changes, supplement suggestions, and more. We both had the opportunity to try BASE and we love having the information at our fingertips and really recommend it as a resource. You know, we are huge proponents of advocating for your own health and BASE gives you a baseline information about yourself just to make it easier. Pricing starts at $59.95 per month or quarterly, or you can start with Base Complete, which are eight tests up front for $4.50. We are happy to be able to offer our listeners 20% off with the code CWPODCAST. To get started, take the Base Quiz, which will give you a recommendation for a personalized testing plan. Visit get-base.com slash CWPODCAST to receive 20% off with code CWPODCAST at checkout. You can also find the direct link to the quiz in our show notes. Yeah, makes a lot of sense, you know? Um, and, and it's hard. It's like you're not, sometimes we're not aware of something right? If it's, if it's in our unconscious mind, we're not aware of it until we become conscious to it. And it's like in the act of, as you say, like really kind of bringing some of those things forward. It's like, you don't know what you don't know until you know it, (laughs) until you know that you don't, or you don't know that you don't know it. Right. And it's like, yeah, that's, I think that's where a lot of the, the work comes into. And then but what I do really like that you spoke to is the idea that like, it comes from a good place that we don't need to self-loathe over even having them because it comes from a place of survival or it comes from a place of even just like, as you said, in a way like self-love or self-protection at some point, especially in our development, I think. And, um, Erica, I think you were the first person that sort of brought that idea to me too, where it was like, oh, we, you know, sometimes these things came as a protective mechanism. Um, and as you were saying too, sometimes they can really serve you. Like you were a high achiever in school and university and in, in those ways served your life, but then we continue to evolve and it's like, is it serving the me that I'm trying to get to know a little bit better The you know, the one that I'm trying to get honest with. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And the way I, it's something I've just been exploring in myself and we're very, I I feel very similar to you in the sense where, um, in different ways, but there was a lot that happened in my childhood with my family. And we've talked about it on the podcast, um, in bits and pieces, I haven't gone so deep into it, but being between being food insecure and things going on with my family and there was just a lot going on. And I was also a very high achiever, very like go, go, go. And then in my late twenties, it all hit me of like, Oh, (laughs) what, what is all of this? And, um, but it's been interesting because as Ali mentioned, those protective parts of myself now that I've been exploring and unpacking those. And I've been really into, um, I'm sure you've heard of it as well with like IFS in parts therapy, like internal family systems. And, um, there's a book called no bad parts that, um, I've recently been exploring and it's, it's, it really talks about like talking to those parts of yourself, right. Instead of like, being like, Oh, that's so bad. Or I'm so bad. It's like exactly like your, your method of 
no, like this is a protective part that like wants to keep you safe. And, um, yeah, so I feel myself now I've been, um, in the shower talking to different parts of myself and, and all of this, but, but realizing sometimes, um, I'm acting and behaving like it's not 33 year old Erica, it's 12 year old Erica or 15 year old Erica or eight year old Erica. She's in this conversation with like, it's her rage that's coming out, not my rage in the present moment. And that's it. I'm in it right now as we're in this conversation, like I've been doing this work and it's been really freeing actually. And my husband and I actually have a joke where we call it, um, it's helped me to identify it and call it, give it a name, but to like, I call it like my processing error. So sometimes I'll get really angry and I'll be like, he'll even ask me, he'll be like, is this, is this a processing error? Sometimes I'll be like, no, you're being an asshole. Um, It's not, (laughs) but sometimes it helps to identify it and be like, oh wait, no, this is, this is not, this is like, this is not 33 year old Erica in this conversation. Let's like take a beat and explore this. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really powerful work. And, and I think the work that you do having that be like a third step, right? Like, it's not like that's where we start because I think if anybody is listening to this, right. And I'd love for you to speak on that as well. It's taken me like 33 years to get here, right. To, to be talking to these parts. So yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know if you have any advice for anyone listening who might not be happy in their career or happy with their life or stuck. It's like, how do we start in those places too? Like how, how do we start for anybody who's listening in that space? I think it looks at creating both internal and external systems and structures so that you know if you were to burn it all down that you would still be okay because I think so much of it is the fear of like well what if I try to do this other thing or I decide to do this other thing and it doesn't work out or I get rejected or is the worst decision ever and I feel like most decisions like nothing is that permanent so I think the more that we can like also looking back over past experiences and I think like wow I've been through so much like and if I've been through that like this one time someone cut me off on the road now I think about it on the grand scheme of things isn't as big as that or you know when you look at like what you've been through up until this point in your life it's pretty good indicator that what you're going to go through going forward you're going to get through as well but if you don't feel that way right now what can you do so you can begin to feel that way if it's you want to leave your job and you want to start something else can you like start putting like an emergency fund in place I I'm not uh maybe this goes against like the manifestation rules but I am not an advocate for saying like yeah just quit your job um because I don't feel think that feels very supportive for most people and I feel like it is quite a privilege thing to be able to say like maybe you have a partner who can support you while you're off work maybe you have an amount of savings that a lot of people will not have so I don't think saying to someone just quit your job is that realistic advice? And then someone's going to think, well, if I can't just quit my job, then it's not for me. Whereas for most people, it is actually a process. So that might look like getting yourself to a place where you have enough emergency savings. That might look like talking to people who are working in different companies and discovering like what that new role is going to look like for you. Just because it takes you longer doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. You have to go with what's working for you ultimately, because you're the one that has to live this life. So yeah, it might look sexy and fun that someone else is like quantum leaping into this like new level of success, but you have to assess like what platform are they jumping from? Yes. I think I'm really glad you just said that because I think that's, the missing 
part of like around a lot of this language that can be like buzzy manifesting, blah, blah, blah. Like these kinds of trends that you see. And it's like, we're not all, you know, we have so many deep systems of oppression, right? Like in the U S all over the world really, but we certainly do in our country. And I think more and more, there's been a reckoning with that more and more and more as hopefully there should be and needs to be. And, you know, to, to actually spark some change and there can be a lot of growing pains in that process, but to just say like, oh, well you can like quantum leap your way. It's going to happen immediately. Like we don't necessarily get, it's not like everybody's, you know, born onto an even, even playing field or having the same kind of resources at any moment or disposal at their disposal. And so having an acknowledgement of that and incorporating it into this work, I think is like a really important part of it. So I'm, I'm grateful that you address that. Um, because I think it's why a lot of this stuff can be also now feel like throwing this idea of like, oh, I just manifested it. Sure. With the $8 million you had in the bank, you know? So like understanding that there's aspects of yeah. Live, living in the real world and that everybody's resources are not the same, but that these, these skill sets and this methodology that you have talked us through still has so much, um, value in creating for each individual person, but I, I also authentic life. Yeah. And I also guess with that though, because that's where like the ruminating comes in because I also know I've been there. I know where it's like, well, this is just the way it is, or I didn't have that head start, mm. or I don't have what they have. So I can't have X or it's going to, or is that even possible for me? And I, despite everything I've been through, I've always been an optimist. Like I fully believe, yes, this is not a blanket statement that like, and asterisks, but I do believe that like everybody is worthy of their own, like you said, their extraordinary life. That's different for everybody. But I also know, and like I said, I've been there where we can get stuck in, well, I didn't have this advantage. So, and I know like, as you've shared so openly about your life and what you've been through. So like, how do you not ruminate there and, and move forward? I think something that is really important to acknowledge is that we don't necessarily manifest things because we deserve them, but because we desire them. So if we're looking at it from a desire point of view, yeah, I have my desires as person one, but also person two has their desires and most importantly, free will as well. So if someone does something to you, that's not necessarily to say like you're to blame for that because that other person has, has their own free will as well. And yeah, I can look back at my life and there's definitely a lot of areas where I lacked the privilege that a lot of my my friends and peers had but also at the same time like I am the only one who has the power to decide like what I want in my life moving forward and yet it kind of sucks that they like got to have this experience with parents that will never understand what that's like but if I only focus on that like you said like I would just be ruminating on that and there would be no resolution for me so that's not to say like your experiences or your trauma or any of it doesn't matter but it is to say like with the responsibility and with the power that you do have like what are you choosing to do with it now yeah and that's an empowering viewpoint too where it's like at the end of the day I had someone tell me 
after I had been like really hurt, really terribly hurt in a situation saying like, I said, but what, you know, what if, what if you've been wronged? It was a, a woman, an older woman in our Buddhist community who's very wise. I asked her, I was like, what do you do if someone has caused you trauma or you've, you know, been wronged in any capacity, whether it's emotionally or more extreme, right? It's not, it's not your fault. This, this happened, but she goes, but what if you just took responsibility for your whole life? It's not about fault. It's not about blame. It's not about that person's responsible for their behavior. But what if you understood that you're also responsible for your entire life? How empowering is that idea? And it really shifted a lot for me in that. And I wound up really being able to like go into some deep forgiveness that I had never accessed before. And it was life-changing and relationship changing. And so many things transformed because in that moment, I took responsibility for the fact how I wanted to respond, how I wanted to feel. And it was actually the path to like some of the greatest happiness I'd ever had. But it doesn't mean that it's like, there's a difference between taking responsibility and taking responsibility for your life and taking responsibility for someone else's actions. And I think there's like delineating those things. It can be very empowering to say, I still have the ability to take responsibility for how I'm going to show up in this world, regardless of how sometimes other people show up and even how that affects you. And that's a hard thing because people do experience intense trauma and, you know, but those things like this idea of that they can coexist, I think. Um, but what you said, I think is like, it's very empowering to say the power is here for the life that I want to create. It's not, it's not keeping that line of connection to perhaps, you know, the trauma or, or the hurt or whatever, however it might be defined. Yeah. So it's cool. It's very cool. What is your astrological sign? Can I ask? (laughs) Yes, I am. Uh, my main sign is Libra, and then my second one is Pisces. Oh wow! I'm a Libra too. I'm a Libra Aquarius. Oh. So yeah, I'm like, I, I, when's your birthday? Uh, October eighth. October eighth. I'm September twenty oh. second. Uh, so I, uh, I, I always thought I was a cusp baby, but I've since learned there are no cusps, and you have to know what time you were born to find which one you are. And I. I'm in fact a Libra, which is very exciting because I've always identified with that part of myself. I love astrology. So fun. It's becoming a question I ask every episode now, Allie. <laughs> True. Yeah. And you know what? I'm April 8th and you and I are the exact opposites um, on the, I don't know much about astrology, Aries, Libra. but on the astrological oh, My sister's in Aries as well. Really? Yeah. It's a good partnership. It's a good um, partnership sign. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell yeah. her that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I know. I can't believe we're like almost at time. We've loved chatting with you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge, your methodology, um, your wisdom in this process. We really appreciate it. And I know Eric and I have both really resonated with it. So thank you first and foremost for that. And we always ask our um, guests three wrap-up questions at the end of each episode. So the first one, I'm curious, um, you shared with us a little bit about how you take care of yourself as far as working goes, but um, what does your daily self-care look like? Do you have any non-negotiables or daily practices that you, that you try to implement for yourself? 
Yes. So one of the things is allowing myself freedom to play with my morning routine. So previously I was like, oh my goodness, like I have to, if you've ever heard of Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning, which is a great book, but I feel like it's very structured that you have to do these things for your morning routine. Otherwise your day will be a dumpster fire. And I don't know, sometimes just like going through six practices each day is just not really a vibe that I want to have. So Previously, my morning routine did involve going to the gym, but right now I'm taking a break from the gym because I have a back injury. But right now it looks like um, meditation is my absolutely non-negotiable. I will not miss a day of meditation, like come rain or shine, it is, is getting done. And I use um I use Insight Timer for my meditation because they have like guided, they have music. And I recently just passed a thousand consecutive days. I was like, yes. Um, so I love the app. It's amazing. Thank you. I feel like I, I need a chip or something, but I was like, oh, no, it. that's a huge uh, accomplishment. <laughs> and it, it feels great. Um, I think meditation is just such a beautiful practice. And when I was younger and we were practicing Buddhism, because we live next door to a Tibetan monastery. So we'd like hop over the fence in our back garden and we'd be at the monastery. And when we used to have to go to the temple, I remember I hated it so much because i believe that meditation was like the absence of thought so mm-hmm. I was like okay like don't think you know I had a thought oh no I had a thought oh no and then I just like ruminate on it so much so approaching it as an adult and knowing that it's not actually the absence of thought but it's just like allowing yourself to be present really shifted my relationship to it and it, it felt really freeing so now having that is something that I will do in the morning and then sometimes if I'm having a bad day I'll do like my secondary morning routine. I call it like reset the day and I'll just pretend I've just woke up and then do my morning routine over again to like, uh, has a little pick me up. So that works really well, I find. Um, some days I'll do journaling, like every other second day I'll do. I was doing it initially every day and then I found uh, I was like forcing myself to do it. And like when you're forcing yourself to do something, it kind of defeats the whole purpose of the practice. I have affirmations that I program in throughout the day to pop up. And one specifically at midday, which is like, remember to breathe, which is just about taking some like intentional belly breaths in the middle of the day. Cause I'm normally a few hours into work. Um, and just to like really ground myself. And then, then my nighttime routine, um, before I was actively content creating on TikTok, it was like watching TikTok for fun. But now that I'm content creating on TikTok, it's kind of like less of a play thing for me, which is, which is fine. But now it's, um, rereading Harry Potter at night is, is my, it's my wind down. Love Harry Potter. Love Harry Potter. Ah, oh, those are all so great. So great. Thank you for sharing. The next question we always ask is what does being courageous mean to you? I think being courageous is actually first and foremost about not only what you're doing externally, but what you're doing internally and having those honest discussions with yourself. Like, oh yeah, I actually do want to have this. Or I remember a conversation that I had with my coach recently. There was like for the longest time in my industry was, you know, like you should not be in this industry if you you don't want to be of service to people. Being of service to people should be your number one priority. And I think that's important, but there was so much emphasis on like, like wanting money is not very spiritual and like, you know, don't focus on the money or blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I'm actually not about that life. I'm like, I love what I do. I love serving people. There's no better feeling. I also like being rich. I also like having money and I don't feel like these two need to be like opposing each other. So um, actually saying that when there was like a lot of like, oh, like these spiritual people, they just like want to sell you something. I'm like, well, also it's like my business and I deserve to like charge money for like the work that I'm paying in. So yeah, when I initially started my business, I remember I had like a lot of resistance to things. Whereas now I just truly say like what I feel 
because I'm sharing my truth. And if you argue with my truth, like that's fine. I'd rather you argue with my truth rather than argue with like lies I've made up just to make myself palatable for everyone. So yeah, that works really well for me. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) And then uh, the final one is you mentioned a few already actually, but do you have any book recommendations um, that you'd want to share with our listeners? It can be literally on anything, just something that's really resonated for you. Oh, so many. This is always my most challenging question to answer because in 2020, um, living in Melbourne, we spent maybe like six months or something in lockdown. So I read 52 books that year and a lot of them were, I'd say like 40 of them were personal development books and I read so many great ones. So I would definitely recommend Happy Pocket Full of Money by David Cameron Kakandi, which is not necessarily just about money and wealth in the financial sense but also about spiritual wealth and well-being which I think is equally important like a rich life is not just about having money but it's about the experiences and the people that you get to share it with that is just like it's one of my all-time favorites and actually if you're more of an audiobook listener he uploaded the book for free to YouTube so you can just find it on there as well and um, Rachel Rogers we should all be millionaires and I like that it talks about Um, how women haven't actually had that long to build wealth and make decisions and to have the courage to say these are the kind of things I want to have in my life or these are the kind of things I want to be able to have for my family and to set boundaries without worrying about being bitchy for them so I really really love that and final one existential kink by carolyn elliott and this is about um subconscious reprogramming and limiting beliefs in a way that I haven't heard anyone else talk about them Very cool. Thank you for sharing. I'm definitely going to check those out. And if anyone wants to find you, follow you, work with you, where can they do all of the things? So you can find me on social media, um, Instagram and TikTok uh, at FESLTAR underscore. And yeah, you can feel free to DM me if you've got this episode or you have any questions about anything that I've said. And I also have my own podcast the manifest edit podcast and then i have a freebie as well which is a free power of subconscious manifestation training which you can check out by heading to afiasalsa.com forward slash freebie yay thank you so much again for being here we really enjoyed getting to know you in this conversation i loved it too thank you so much thanks for tuning in to another episode of courageous wellness tune in every wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica and we're Courageous Wellness.